Greetings film fans and welcome to another episode of the following feature podcast. I'm your host Arthur Wilde and I'm here as per usual every week to talk to you about the latest film news, gossip, any kind of thing that's going on that I think is of interest um, and then we actually break down a few films that you can just go off and watch straight after this. Uh, we're all back at work now, you know, the lockdown's kind of ended so there's not a lot of chance to watch films. Um, the cinema's open up again so we can go and watch films. Now on that point, I did say last week that I was making my first post-lockdown trip to the cinema to see what I believed was a Clint Eastwood film. It turns out it's not. Um, but Unhinged came out, starring Russell Crowe. And yeah, I had a ticket to go and see that. I think it was Monday or Tuesday night, but you can probably tell by my tone right now, I didn't go. Um, this week has been a bit of a difficult one for me, if I'm, if I'm being really honest. Um... I've, I've obviously, I'm back to work now, um, but I've had a lot of things going on in uh, my evenings as well. And um, I've had a lot of stresses going on. And there's been a lot of, my time has been consumed by um, many different things. Um, emotionally, it's been quite a, a hectic week. Great fun to, to go and watch my nephew training football again. But also, there was a huge relief where basically I've had this ongoing uh, battle with a private parking company about uh, a ticket that I didn't feel like I needed to pay. Um, turns out the court finally agreed with me, and after about 18 months, um, they've decided on the side of, of, well, they've basically favoured me in the whole decisions, which was just a huge relief. I mean, it was going to be a situation where I was being taken to court for thousands of pounds, and the court have completely struck it off based on my defence, which made me immensely proud, but it's one of those things that's been a cloud hanging over my head during lockdown, um, and so the relief of that passing has um, just been overwhelming, really. Um, but that as well with the, um, you know, psychologically to actually go out last weekend, buy my nephew some football boots, and then to go along and watch him training with his teammates um, this week, just, you know, absolutely brilliant because, you know, his his dreams are more important than mine right now. Um, so, yeah, that with a, a bit of an illness during the week and this hot weather and, it's just it's just not been the most productive week for me. Well, I mean, it's obviously been very productive, but just not in regards to any of my pursuits or passions. Um, I was hoping to get my Steven Spielberg special episode out on Wednesday, and I did promise you that, guys. I'm sorry. It just got away from me, and whilst I was writing it, I realised that the only way I was going to get it out by Wednesday was to rush it. Uh, and... Whilst these podcasts every Sunday are quite casual and kind of thrown together, I like the kind of, you know, sort of unscripted, although, you know, I've done some research, obviously. But I, I like the nature of these ones to be kind of a bit more off the cuff, whereas um, the Spielberg special is turning into a bit of um, an essay, really. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun developing it, but when I was supposed to be recording it and releasing it on Wednesday, I found that my notes, you know... I had uh, thousands of words written down, several pages, but I was still in the 90s. Um, and I really want to discuss what Steven Spielberg's career, how how it's played a, a part in my life um, throughout the years. Because, you know, his career started in the late 70s and, and my life did pretty much the same thing. So, yeah, um, it's a big topic, and I didn't want to rush it, and this has been an especially bad week for me to actually get anything done, so unfortunately, I'm sorry I did let you down, but it's m what you're actually going to get 
this Wednesday when I do actually release the episode is a more fleshed out, more developed, um, and hopefully more professional sounding breakdown of just who Spielberg is and in, in relation to who I am. I don't know, it turned into a personal thing, it turned into a bit of an essay, um, uh, and it, you know, it, it caused me to be quite introspective as well, because I, I kind of looked at just what was going on when certain Spielberg films were released, and how that influenced my outlook on life, um, and my ability to, you know, have hope when there wasn't any, or to have confidence when it had been taken away from me, um, Spielberg's films have been quite significant. I'm not saying that they're they're life changing necessarily, but um, it was interesting to look back and kind of consider the the influences um, that his film has had on me um, in the way that I've gone about living my life and the directions that I've gone in. So yeah, we'll get that out to you uh, this Wednesday. Um, I can't see anything as um, hectic or you know, um, just overwhelming as I've, I've been through the last week. So yeah. And plus we're, you know, it's been, it's been so, so warm. Um, like if I was working in an office and I had the air con on, it'd be nice. It'd be comfortable, but you know, I'm still working from home for the most part. And my room where I work from doesn't have air conditioning. Uh, and sometimes for the peace and quiet, I need to close my window. Uh, as I say, I have a, a, a neighbour who's very, very fond of DIY. Uh, not doing it herself, but getting her parents to do it for her almost every weekend for the last 18 months. What the fuck? Um, I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. That's, that's a really cool thing, and I'm, I'm glad she's doing it. More to her. Um, more power to her. Um, more power tools to her. I don't know. The thing is... Um, it's just, it's it's really, it's quite muggy. Um, you know, I'm quite ginger. And those those two things are just a terrible, terrible combination. Um, I think that's what's kind of resulted in me being um, just a little bit under the weather as, as the week has progressed. So hopefully the weather does get a little bit... I'm, I'm the one guy in summer that's like kind of, come on, rain. Come on, thunderstorms. Um, I, I'm one of those idiots that kind of stands around going like kind of, I'll tell you what, we really need a storm. We need one. We need one to clear the air. It'll make the air fresher again. We need a storm. Everyone else is kind of lying in their bikinis in their back garden going, what, what, what? No, 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 no. Come on, this is England. Give us our five days of sunshine. Stop being so fucking bitter. I can't help it. I, I don't tan. I burn to varying degrees and I've been hospitalized uh, with third degree burns to my back after um, uh, a misguided sunbathing opportunity in Blackpool once. Basically... I just don't do sunshine very well, unless I'm caked in a layer of Factor 50 icing um, and just in the shade, just covered up. I, I'm basically, me enjoying a summer holiday looks like, I, you know, my friends are reenacting, an uh, you know, their version of Weekend and Bernie's. Because you see me with the sunglasses on and the kind of hunched in the corner and people are trying to you know, figure out if I'm alive or not. That's that's pretty much me when I go to like Spain on holiday with my friends. What what has this got to do with film news? That's a very good question. I think we should actually just move on now from my weird diatribe and and just focus on film news. And the first bit of film news is a nice little bit of geeky film news. Star Trek. We all love a bit of Star Trek. And please stop asking what I prefer, Star Trek or Star Wars. It's two 
separate things. They are completely different. One is a space opera about magic and laser swords and, you know, uh, different analogies about family and stuff like that. The other is a soap opera, which is based on uh, a military expedition to discover new life. There is nothing similar about these two apart from it has the word star in it, and it's set in the stars. Now, Star Trek, for me, it's, it's something that I've always loved. Um, the original series, obviously, that was on way before I was born. But Next Generation came on just as I was, like, sort of around, like, eight, nine years old. Uh, and for me, I grew up with that show. Um, as I say, it was a space opera to me. Well, space opera. It was a soap opera to me. Um, and it was one of those things where every week there was a new story which kind of looked at, um, you know, different kind of moral questions and different um, adventures. And it was it was just a very exciting thing for me. Um, but it, it made me love Star Trek. It made me look at the movies differently. It made me watch the original series. When the spin-offs came, I got really into those. I'm a bit of a Trek fan. I don't want to call myself a Trekker or a Trek Trekkie um, because I don't really feel like I qualify for either. Um, but I'm a Star Trek fan. And so news breaking this week of the fourth installment is, is, is you know, it's piquing my interest. Um, as I say, the fourth film in the Abrams reboot, also known as the Kelvin Timeline, is being put on hold. Yeah, sorry, I, I know I kind of built that up to be some really great positive news, but the good thing is it's it's not being shelved, it's not being scrapped. Um, the new, end well, the new adventure of the Enterprise and her crew should have gone into production in 2018. Um, and there was actually talk that Chris Hemsworth was going to be returning as, um, what do you call him? Uh, um, the man, the, the, the dad of the man. Who, he was George. George who, though? Um, Kirk, of course. Jesus, where did that go? Brain fart. That's, that's, that's only one so far. All right. Give me credit, people. That's only one so far. It's a long podcast, though. Um, so Chris Hemsworth was rumoured to be returning as uh, George Kirk. Um, and there was also talk of Quentin Tarantino producing. Now, I know you might have heard stories that Quentin Tarantino was actually due to direct. And, you know, that idea was seriously being considered for a while. Um, but it turned out that um, what he was proposing was being described as Pulp Fiction in space. There was a lot of gangsters going on. There was a lot of time travel. Um, and it was an interesting idea. It was a really interesting concept, but it wasn't quite in fitting with the direction that the films were going in. Um, so whilst he um, wasn't going to be doing his project, um, they hadn't shelved that one either. And the development basically got to the point where Quentin Tarantino would be producing the new film, um, but it was going to be directed by someone else. Uh, now, unfortunately, that has been put on hold for the time being because the the pandemic's put everything shuff shuffled all of the uh, schedules back quite a bit, um, and the cast of these films are, are so busy with other projects going on that it's just not really it's not really something they can do right now. I mean, Simon Pegg, for example, is uh, huge in the Mission Impossible franchise, and it looks like they're going to be filming uh, films seven and eight back to back, so he could be busy with that for quite a while. Um, yeah, I don't know, Carl Urban, Carl, Carl, Carl Urban, makes me wonder how many times I've actually tried to say that out loud. He is obviously uh, featuring in Amazon's uh, hit series, The Boys, um, 
Zoe, Zoe Saldana's still working in the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, franchise. That film still needs to go into production, but she's also been like dipping her toe in the Avengers films as well, as you, you'll have seen. Um, so, yeah, um, the cast are busy, uh, but they will be coming back to it. Um, and that's that's basically a good bit of news because it looked like everyone had kind of moved on from that and there wasn't going to be a fourth film. But there is going to be a fourth film. Um, the same cast and crew are still going to come back and make it. Uh, Tarantino is going to produce it. And once they're finished with that, they are looking at the possibility of um, Tarantino's film being a spin-off from the, uh, the franchise. Well, not from the franchise, but a spin-off from the Enterprise-based storyline. Um, Enterprise saga or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Everything seems to be a saga these days. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll hear more about that soon. Um, but for the time being, it's kind of been shelved. Uh, but we will see another Star Trek film. And I'm sure, you know, this time next year, I expect it to be in production. Uh, whether that's just like finishing off the script or actually coming up with a shooting schedule and contracting the actors. It's not going to be long before that gets picked up again because that is a very, very lucrative fan franchise. And with the TV shows as well in development, I mean, obviously you've got Discovery, uh, you've got Picard, you've got the animated one that's just started, um, Lower Decks. Um, so there is a, a, a big draw for Star Trek still at the moment. And hopefully, yeah, we will see more of it in the future. Now, one film that has um, finished production and is looking to be released quite soon is uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, if you haven't seen the trailer for this, it's a film about political activist Fred Hampton. And it's been caught in controversy recently by casting Brit actor Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, Kalu Kaluuya? It's not the first time I've had a problem with this name. There's just too many U's. You want to kind of linger on the, the surname for too long, like Daniel Kaluuya. That's probably offensive. Anyway, he's a British actor and he's playing this um, famous American. Um, but to, director Shaka King uh, explained that the casting is emblematic of a dysporsic way of thinking diasporic dis diasporic basically um coming from a, a, a mixed background um you know it's it's kind of it's quite evident that with african-americans um they have this tag of african-american um whereas most of them aren't necessarily their heritage doesn't lie in africa but it was just a way of um describing black people in america which Seemed like the norm for a very long time, but now more and more, um, it's becoming quite obvious that that's quite, um, it's quite a disrespectful tag to give someone just to kind of say like, kind of like, yeah, you're an American, but let's face it, you're probably originally African. Well, we're all, we're all originally African. Um, but, uh, she describes herself as, um, uh, an American with African heritage, uh, from a Jamaican background. Um, so that kind of uh, mixed heritage and um, difficult to trace uh, lineage uh, is something that's been quite quite a fundamental part of um, the, the the black identity in America, um, and it's something that they fought quite hard to be recognised. Like because saying African American, it's not only disrespectful to the actual background of the person's heritage, but it kind of disregards them as actual americans um and whereas american america is is just basically a country of mixed up of, of all different kinds of immigrants 
I mean, um, you know, it's the Irish and the English, um, the Spanish, uh, you know, they all went over there and, and um, had, you know, a lot of influence on um, settling in the country and, and making it their own, which they definitely did. Um, it's just one of those things where, like, sort of, she doesn't want to focus on the fact that this uh, young man was British born and he's playing an American. Uh, because that conversation goes so far beyond this simple question of, you know, appropriation. Um, and it's something that she's more than willing to uh, wax lyrical on. Um, so I'm really excited about knowing knowing that she has that kind of approach to the, the subject matter. I'm very excited to see exactly what she does with this film, because he's a very important uh, figure in history, and one that isn't really talked about enough. Um, as I've probably mentioned before, when it comes to black history... Uh, this, the school system seems to kind of just skip through the usual kind of like, there was Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, there was Malcolm X, um, there was Harriet Tubman, uh, there was, um, you know, that's it, that's that's all you're getting for now. Oh, we'll have Rosa Parks next week, but, you know, just skip through, let's let's concentrate. Like in this country, it was just like all about kings and queens and queens and kings and kings and queens um, with just varying degrees of incest and treason. It's just... We never really get to hear more about... And the thing is as well, like, you see in America, you get Black History Month. Like, oh, great. Well, you've got a month to talk about, as I say, those those kind of just limited uh, field of um, influential black people throughout history. So I'm very interested to see what uh, Shaka does with this film. Uh, it could be very interesting to kind of bring uh, another great name uh, to, to public eye or public ears, um, just to public knowledge. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to that. And Daniel himself has proved himself, uh, you know, in uh, Queen and Slim, uh, in Get Out. He's he's shown that he is a very, very, you know, powerful um, and complex actor that can take on some really, really amazing roles. Uh, and I think he's incredibly good at displaying emotional and, um, I don't know, he's, he's got a lot of, He's got a very emotive face. He's got some very subtle looks and features that... Features. He's got some very subtle expressions that he can use to kind of convey a lot of emotion. Um, and I think that's that's very telling of an actor. I think we were talking about Serene Home recently, who said that, um, you know, all, most of the acting is done through the eyes. Um, and Daniel is definitely one of those actors that can, that can you know, act a lot through uh, facial expression and, and just... The look he gives, I don't know. Hopefully it'll be as good as it's um, building up to be because I'm very much looking forward to that film and what a time to have it come out as well. Now, another film news. I know I talked about him last week and he is, yeah. Um, Jason Basement. Jason Basement? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Jason Basement. Dear God. I wonder if anyone called him that when they were picking on him growing up. That'd be interesting. Jason Bateman, on the other hand, is set to direct Superworld. Yes, the Ozark director is back in the news and looking to keep busy post-lockdown. Teaming up with uh, Game Night screenwriter Mark Perez, the story is based on the hugely successful Audible, Audible original and tells the tale of a world where everyone has superpowers except one man who lives a plain existence until a villain whose power is neutralising any superpowers threatens the world, leaving our protagonist as the only hope. Um, now, if you know, if you don't know what I mean by Audible Original, um, Audible is the 
audiobook service from uh, Amazon, um, one that I'm very, very fond of. Uh, in fact, if you want a recommendation, you can't go wrong with the Expeditionary Force series. It's hugely entertaining. I'm absolutely gripped. I'm currently just working my way through book 10, Critical Mass, um, and it's just it's the most delightfully written, uh, in fun, enjoyable, exciting adventure in space involving one monkey called Joe and one incredibly powerful AI called Skippy. I'm not going to tell you anything else. Go and discover it. I promise you, you, you will not be disappointed. Anyway, Jason Bateman is making this um, adaptation of a very, very popular audiobook um, called Superworld. Um, and basically, you know, this guy, he's, he's the only non-powered person in a world full of powered people. In fact, his father is one of the most powerful people um, in existence. Um, but when this threat comes along, I mean, he's, he's working like a white-collar job as well. He's like some kind of... I, I, I haven't heard the story myself, um, but, you know, he, he sounds like he's living a very kind of sheltered life in a cubicle. Like, even though the world is so fantastical, he's still having to be this mundane... Uh, character. Um, so when his calling is to take on the, the, the most devastating villain of all time, um, it's, it's simply due to the fact that he has no powers. Uh, so he has no weakness. Uh, but he is mortal. So there are problems. Uh, it, apparently it's, it's extremely entertaining. It's very funny. Probably one I should give a, a go considering my fondness for audiobooks. Um, but yeah, Jason Bateman, um, and he's teaming up with uh, the Game Night scriptwriter. Now, I've only watched Game Night once, and I have to admit to being very, very distracted through the whole thing. Um, I kind of just passed it off as like, I was like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, it had its moments, it was all right. But since then, I've heard a lot of people kind of talking about the sleeper hit that it is, and one of the most intelligent comedies of the last, like, 10, 15 years. And I'm thinking, I can, I can barely remember what the plot was about. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and, and watch that. I may, I may even talk about it on next week's podcast. Game Night, Jason Bateman. Have you seen it? What do you think? Now, moving on to more movie news. Um, and, uh, you know, there seems to be a regular section on this podcast. My Keanu's. Keanu, Keanu's? Keanu news. News about Keanu Reeves. Um, yeah. It's just, it's still not working, that thing, is it? Keanu. Anyway, John Wick 4 and 5. Yes, it looks like we'll, when the extremely popular shoot 'em up franchise returns, they'll be shooting not one, but two films back to back. And that should be in the early part of next year. Lead actor Keanu Reeves is busy working on Matrix 4 in Berlin, Germany. Germany. What is going on with me today? I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly articulate, but like only 95% of the time. And occasionally I have a mini stroke and I don't know what the fuck's going on. And I just blah, 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 blah. But I digress. Um, so Keanu Reeves is busy working on Matrix 4 in Berlin, Germany. Um, and when he does finish that, obviously he's going to straight to... Well, I don't know, actually. A lot of the John Wick films are filmed in Europe. So maybe he'll just stay in Germany for a while. Uh, maybe that's where it's at, people. I don't know. Um... So he'll be shooting John Wick 4 and 5 back-to-back. -back. That's been confirmed this week. Um, they're definitely going to be making John Wick 4, and they've been given the green light to make John Wick 5. Um, so they're looking at ways of adapting their original plan for production on the fourth film 
to see if they can extend that and make the fifth film happen at the same time. Now, that sounds like a huge commitment, um, and I'm not entirely sure that there's really going to be time for it. We might just see them like changing plans and just making John Wick 4 in, instead. Um, but, you know, they've done it before, and it, 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 it could happen, and... The thing is, as well, like they're very busy in production at the moment because uh, in between the release of John Wick 4 and 5, apparently we're going to get the brand new series The Continental, which is a spin-off um, regarding the uh, establishments where the other hitmen kind of hang out and get their work. Um, to me, that sounds like an incredibly good concept for a video game. What do you think? But yeah, we'll be getting John Wick 4 and 5, which is great. The franchise looks like it's it's got a lot of legs to it. Um... They've just got to be really careful, I think, at this stage, not to disappear up their own ass. you know, get quite, you know, full of themselves, because sometimes you get successful in, in quite a simple premise, and you're like, oh, well, if they're impressed by that, I'll give them more. And they th you just get this urge to overcomplicate situations and show how smart you are, whereas really was it was just the, the simplicity of the original idea that really kind of brought in the audience in the first place. Hopefully, that's what happens. They keep it simple. Um, but they keep it interesting, they keep it exciting, they keep it engrossing. There's a lot of different directions you can take that that film, and yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But the TV series as well sounds like a very interesting idea, um, depending on how well they, they cast it. Um, Spin-offs from films into TV series don't always work. Um, I recently watched Treadstone, which is the spin-off from the Bourne series. I liked it, it was exciting, but I don't think they fully developed the characters enough to have, um, I don't know, enough of a draw. Uh, and yeah, it, it got axed after its first series, which is a shame because I, I, I do think it had potential um, and the story was good. I just feel like the characters weren't. And unfortunately, that this that might be the case with this. Um, I haven't heard any actors being associated with it or anyone chasing the role because let's face it a lot of the times these days when actors get very excited about a certain franchise they're very vocal about their um, ambition to be a part of it uh, and no one no one at all is talking about the continental so what what do we make of that let me know um now the final bit of moving news which isn't really proper news um but it turns out that um, Knight, the Knight Rider movie is in development with uh, Aquaman director James Wan producing. Now, that's always a worrying thing. Like, the, if there's one thing that really puts me off a film is when it says, from the producers of. And it's like, wait, isn't that the guys that kind of, like, paid for it? I mean, the worst thing you can possibly say is, like, sort of try to inspire someone's art by saying like sort of you know it's from the same people who paid another artist it's like oh right okay like if you were going to an, a gallery to see an exhibition you wouldn't be seeing the exhibition because like from the gallery that brought you picasso it's like well yeah all right not the artist do you see what i mean is that is this is this analogy making sense to anyone else I just, I just, I just don't feel like sort of James Wan. I mean, it's not, it's not like he's the greatest director in the world. Uh, he's made some exciting films, but not great films. So the fact that he's they're, they're associating him just because he's the producer, ugh. Knight Rider is one of those things where like sort of people have um, got the rights to it every now and again and try to turn it into something just for the sake of making money off it. 
no one's actually approached it as a passion project and therefore we haven't really had a good reboot of Knight Rider. Now there is potential for this one um, and of course that's exactly what I'm going to ask you guys to do. Who do you think, I mean let's not talk about director at the moment because uh, who knows, I, I think if James Wan was making it it would just turn into like Fast and Furious with a talking car. Um, so who who would we want starring in this film? I mean, for me, a very ideal bit of casting would be Chris Pratt. Um, I think he's very, very believable as like a a, a charming, charismatic detective um, who has a sort of tempestuous relationship with his intelligent car. Um, yeah, I think Chris Pratt would be fantastic in that kind of role. But I think you'd have to get a really good director involved in the film first. You know what? Sorry, I just had a flashback of um, Baby Driver. If Edgar Wright was to make a Knight Rider film starring Chris Pratt, and who could voice the car? Because I think Chris Pratt and I think Parks and Rec and Nick Offerman as the voice of Kit would be fucking hilarious. I mean, Jesus, can you imagine that? Imagine Ron Swanson was a highly intelligent car. Probably wouldn't be very effective in like sort of sorting out crime in in the name in on behalf of the government. I don't know. If you're not a Parks and Rec fan, none of this is is working for you. And I understand, and I apologise. Um, but Chris Pratt as as Michael Knight, and who could we have as Kit, the voice? I suppose Hasselhoff. Nah, it's got to be. Like Kelsey Grammer or someone like that. What do you think? Answers on a postcard. Let me know. But let's move on now. Um, let's move on to our movie news. Now, again, apologies for not really being active on social media this week. It's been a bit of a crazy one. Um, I, was, I was feeling quite rough earlier today and I almost considered potentially thinking about having the idea of possibly not actually doing the podcast today obviously that couldn't happen um the idea of that made me feel even more sick so here we are um i really wanted to go through some films that you can actually watch right now and whilst i'm not endorsed in any way or have shares in netflix these are free films that you can find right now on netflix that i think you'll thoroughly enjoy they're three completely different films um, but really, I, I think what you'll you'll get from these is some uh, you know some captivate, captivating performances, maybe films that you've you've not actually seen or even heard of. Um, for a start, my first film is The American, uh, and it's a feature film from uh, photographer and music video director Anton Corbin. His film debut as a as a director, and it stars George Clooney as Jack, a hitman and gunsmith. Now, it's based on the novel uh, A Very Private Gentleman by Martin Booth. Uh, the film begins with Jack leading a quiet life with his girlfriend Ingrid, which is interrupted by the sudden attempt to take his life by hitmen. Fearing his identity will be discovered, Jack takes out the two unwanted guests and anyone else that might reveal who he really is, including Ingrid. On the run, he tries to figure out who is after him and why, but, as he keeps moving, Suspicious actions lead him to believe that not all is as it seems, and the enemy could be from within his small circle of trust. As he races against time to discover the truth, 
he fights an inner conflict that is full of regret for his former lover and confusion towards his feelings for Kara, the ideal woman who suspiciously became a part of his life when he was in the most danger. Is there a way out of this nightmare, and can he ever live in peace and quiet, or will he inevitably run out of luck and meet the grisly end he's escaped so many times before? In a film that is part Bond movie and part spaghetti western, Anton takes us on a very tense and frantic ride of confidence and paranoia. With a healthy amount of twists to the plot, this thriller proves a very engrossing affair. Clooney is in his element as Jack, a calculated but emotionally stunted man who lives for the fear of death. At one point, he's asked to question his life choices and does so for what seems like the first time in his life. Having seemingly been an autopilot for many years, the sudden awakening of his real life makes him less confident of why he does the things he does and makes him ponder whether he's befriended the enemy or made an enemy of his friends. Now, this is a film I watched a while ago and... I don't know if anyone will notice recently this week, and probably the reason why I've been so stuck on Netflix. Um, they just dropped like a, a bunch of films into their their catalogue um, that I'd kind of forgotten about. Some really great films. Um, I mean, I, I say I'm, I was tempted to um, talk about Bridge of Spies, uh, which is the uh, Tom Hanks and Mark Rylance uh, film about was it the Cold War. Well, basically, it's a Spielberg film, and it's one that's going to be in the special on Wednesday, so I chose not to, to bring that one up. But um, of all the films that came up there, I saw The American Advertised, and I, it, just, it was a film that I'd completely forgotten about. Uh, George Clooney is absolutely fantastic in this film. Um, it's uh, a role with a lot of subtle complexities, and I feel that he does a really good job of just, you know, he keeps it understated when he needs to. Um, and when the emotionals, emotions flare up, it's, it's completely natural and organic, and it really adds to, like, the, um, the tension of the film. Like, there's some great shots, there's various shots of him looking over his shoulder, and you really do feel that kind of palpable sense of tension that you know he's feeling. You've got a kind of empathy towards the fear that he's experiencing. Um, but you always seem to know that this is the life that he chose and, um, the one that he got himself into. And uh, you feel like his paranoia is just, it's because he's convinced himself so many times that he can't trust anyone, that he forgets how to trust people. Um, and that inability to, to figure out who he can and cannot trust leads him into some dangerous situations, but also, um, you know, conflicts with his desire to actually be a happy, normal, functioning individual. What was originally a cover um, is suddenly revealed to him to be the, the life that he always wanted. And he destroys that at the beginning of the film. So he has that kind of conflict going throughout the whole thing. And yeah, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely captivating. Um, Clooney is, is um, an underrated actor in my eyes. Um, you know, he, he has had some great roles in the past. And I don't know, has he ever had a nomination? Alexa, has George Clooney ever been nominated for an Oscar? George Clooney has been nominated for eight Oscars. Holy crap, eight Oscars. Right, for, for a start, I'm very, very surprised that she was able to answer me and understand what I said, because I don't even remember what happened last week, but I had a bit of a disaster speaking to that thing. Um, yeah, 
I kind of want to go into more depth now, but you know, that's that's for another time. I should have done more research, really, shouldn't I? This is the problem. This I, I tell you what the real problem is: too much caffeine before I start recording. That's usually what ends in me kind of spiraling off on on tangents. I don't want to be too sleepy or too groggy. Um, I don't want to be too kind of boring or or placid. Um, so I, you know, make sure that I have a shit ton of caffeine before I start, and then it's like ba 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 ba, which can be tiring, and I do apologise. Um, yes, but moving on. Um, yeah, I, I would thoroughly recommend giving that one a go. It's it's a bit of a sleeper. Um, in regards to like sort of it's, you know, it seems a bit slow paced at first, but there's enough drama instantly that makes you think. I need to see how this pans out. I need to see what happens with this character. Because there are decisions you make straight away where you think, like, no normal person can just do stuff like that and be fine with it. Um, yeah, but I think clearly does a great job of just kind of exploring that kind of emotional side to the protagonist. Um, and all the different things that would be going through his head. Um... Again, there's there's not much in the way of, like... Uh, the one thing that could have ruined this film was narration. Uh, and it kind of feels like you know some directors would be like sitting there going, like, he should be talking over this and explaining his background and his feelings and what's going through his mind. The, the whole director's choice to make you fill in the gaps is something that you know I love. Um, because it, it's that kind of respect to the audience. Uh, and, it, and and when you figure things out without it being like sort of rammed down your throat, um, it really does make you feel like you've achieved something whilst watching a film, which seems stupid. It seems pointless. But, you know, it does add to the experience when you figure things out for yourself. Like, for example, Fight Club. There are certain... When you watch that for the second time, it's just littered with clues. You know exactly what's going on. You know exactly what the twists are. You know exactly what they're trying to hide from you. Um, but when you first watch it, and yeah, you get caught out by some of the surprising twists, but your ability to like sort of understand everything that you've just seen and put all the pieces in place to kind of just tidy up the understanding of the plot, it, it just, it's, it's very rewarding. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, sort of, it was clever enough that they they don't drop spoilers um, through, or, you know, just too much, um, uh, what do you call it, forecasting, um, foreshadowing. You know, it's, it's, when it's done subtly, it has more impact. Um, and with this one, there aren't that many twists to the plot, necessarily. Um, there are a few, but it's the uh, it's the implication of twists that lends you to have um, the same kind of paranoid viewpoint that the protagonist has, um, and that's what throws you. It's quite clever because even when you get to the end of the film, like you kind of feel like you knew, like you don't feel like there were clever plot twists. But it's the way it kind of subverts your expectations and leads you down, you know, the wrong path every now and again. Um, or just makes you question what you think you know. Uh, I think that's great for, con you know, conjuring up the, the empathy you need to kind of really get behind this protagonist. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. 
Um, give it a look. It's on Netflix right now. Um, also on Netflix is a film that I've mentioned before. Uh, I think I watched it originally on um, Amazon Prime. Um, but it's now dropped on Netflix. Uh, so you've really got no excuse to see it. Everyone's got at least, you know, one of those streaming platforms. Um, so what I would really recommend that you check out this week is Upgrade. Now, Upgrade is a film from acclaimed director Lee Wannell, uh, who I've mentioned on this podcast before because we did review um, The Invisible Man. Um, now, Wannell, uh, he made names for himself writing and producing the Saw and Insidious movies. Um, thankfully, he didn't kind of continue down that road. Uh, he was in the habit of quite a long time of uh, writing uh, for other people. Um, but now that he's making his own films, I think we're seeing a much we're really seeing his potential being actualized on the screen. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and if you really want to see, like, sort of what really kind of kicked off um, his... I mean, this this isn't his first film that he's directed. It's his second. Um, and it's not the film, first film he's been uh, involved with. He's been, um, you know, writer and producer on several films beforehand. Um, but back to Upgrade. Uh, this story uh, follows Grey, a mechanic and technophobe who was left paralysed after being hurt in a mugging that also resulted in the death of his wife. After hearing the news that Grey is suicidal, tech innovator Eron, who Grey restored a classic car for, offers him an implant that would give him control back over his body and allow him to not only walk, but seek revenge. As Grey embarks on his quest for justice, he finds that his disability is not only gone, but replaced with the ability uh, that are... Or, replaced with abilities that are beyond his expectation. But how far is he willing to go to get his vengeance? And will his new abilities put him in more danger? Whilst he made his directorial... Whilst he made his directorial debut with Insidious Free, Upgrade is the film that truly showed Lee's potential as a director. With a relatively small budget, it was the use of clever camera work and a simple premise that elevated this film to an instant cult classic. Its use of dark humour and brutal choreography, along with Logan Marshall Green's perfectly balanced performance, uh, that has brought me uh, brought me back to this film more than once. Um, so I was very excited to see it on Netflix, which, again, was kind of silly. I've seen this film already a couple of times. Um, as I say, I, I, I watched it recently again, um, after talking about Lee Wennell on um, Invisible Man. I uh, watched Upgrade on uh, Amazon Prime. Um, and that was only like what, a, a month ago or so? But it lands on Netflix and I'm just lying in bed trying to make myself feel better. Um, as I say, like sort of not being a very good week for me physically. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, you put it on. Do you, ever, do you ever put on a film and you don't intend to watch the whole thing, but then the end credits coming up and you're like, well, I guess I'll watch that again. Um, there have been times in the past as well where, like, back in the old DVD days, where um, a film would end, it would go to the menu screen, but give it a couple of minutes and the film would restart. And there'd be times in the past where, like, if I'd had a really good film on and it restarted, I'd be like, ah, oh, I really should really should switch this off now. Yeah, it's like half an hour into the film again and I've, I've already watched it once today, so I should I should really stop. Okay, well, I'm definitely not watching it a third time. And after the third time, I just, you know, I, I feel bad because I could have watched many other films, but um, it happens sometimes. I don't know. Maybe that's just a film nerd thing. You just, I don't know. 
you like to reevaluate things and rediscover them and, and kind of enjoy them and, and find out new things and watch them with a different eye or just kind of like look for things that you hadn't seen before. Um, sometimes as well, like if you're like sort of concentrating on the cinematography or the directorial style, you'll you'll rewatch things just to kind of see how things are put together, the different elements, the different bits and pieces, you know, the different ingredients to this cake we call movies. I've been accused recently of going a bit Alan Partridge at times in this podcast. That's, I can't argue with it, really. Um, I just, I, I think I've, there's some things that I've watched too much of that uh, just kind of influence me. Um, but Upgrade is a film that I'm, you know, I I can see myself watching it again. Um, it's one of those things, like, if, if anyone's around the house um, and we're just sat around watching any old crap and if I bring something up like that and people haven't seen it i'm like right stop let's put it on right now i'm very much one of those guys i like to push these films on my friends and family um and for the most part they appreciate it um they know that i i am very passionate about films and that i'm not just gonna pick out any old crap just for the sake of it um not everyone agrees with my my film tastes but um upgrade is a kind of film that it's just, it's so well done. Um, there's so much to it that's that's action packed, um, and your man there, Logan, Jason, what, what was his name again? Jesus, um, Logan Marshall Green. Uh, he's he's brilliant in the role because he has this, um, you know, at the beginning he has this kind of suave confidence, which is suddenly transformed into this. Um, pained, like frustration and sadness, um, and then it transforms into this uh, anxious yet excited expectation um, as he goes on his quest for vengeance. Um, so he's done a, a really great job, um, and it's just it's as I say it's it's a, a very stripped down film. Um, whilst there are certain elements of it that make it look expensive, I think the whole thing cost about $3 million to make. Um, and it's incredibly, you know, it's, it's an incredible achievement for that that kind of budget. But for um, a filmmaker who, as a, a director, is relatively inexperienced, the innovation um, and the, the, the craft that's used in making this film really does make you sit up and think, like, kind of, this isn't just an effort from a, a new filmmaker. This is an achievement from an artist. Um, and I was absolutely blown away by it. Um, as I say, like I watched this after seeing The Invisible Man. I think The Invisible Man was the first Lee Wennell-based thing that I'd seen. Oh, no, actually, he wrote the first, I think, three Saw films. And I think that's all I saw of that franchise because, yeah, it was just madness. But, um, yeah. Um, as we, we know now, he's going to be working with, um, your man, Ryan Gosling on The Wolfman. So based on what he's done so far and how much his filmmaking seems to improve with each effort, we could be in for something quite special with that film. I'm, I'm genuinely really excited about seeing The Wolfman. Um, who knows? I'm, I'm also anxious because one of my favourite films of all time is An American Werewolf in London. Um, and so werewolf or, you know, those kind of films, it's like, that's, that's the, 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 the films that the one that they're all measured against. 
so we'll we'll have to wait and see but i am optimistic shall we say now our last film is one that i've been meaning to watch for a while so when it was one of the um number of films that were dropped into netflix catalog this week i was very excited about watching it also um a uh, friend of the channel, Chris Barnard, over at um, Flying Film Reviews, he covered this film this week, and I love reading his reviews. Um, check him out, actually, on uh, Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook, uh, Flying Film Reviews. Um, his breakdown of this film, I'm sure, is fantastic, but I can't review a film, um, or I can't watch reviews of films until I've given my opinion first not not like before them but i need to express what i think of the film without any kind of influence um and sometimes you know especially if it's a good critic uh chris is a great critic um I, so i don't like to read his reviews until i've seen uh, a film or at least reviewed it myself uh, if i'm not going to review it then I'll, I'll read his reviews um but um, yeah, with this one, I've, I saw it pop up last week and I was like, oh, okay. So I haven't, I'm sorry, Chris, I haven't read that one yet, but I'm going to go straight into it after this. Um, and I wonder if you saw the film the same way I did. Um, I don't mean like visually on a TV screen. I mean, you know, did you interpret it the same way I did? Well, chances are I'll, I'll probably hear from you during the week when you get around to listening to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm expecting you to listen to it immediately. So when you text me on a bloody Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm like, what's taking so long? Um, but basically, the film this week is, uh, or our indie film this week, and it's a bit hard to say the indie film this week because I'm quite sure Upgrade classifies as a, an indie film as well. Um, I think to a certain extent, The American is. It was uh, a low-budget uh, film, you know. Anyway, this week's indie film slash hidden gem slash thing that you should watch um is the peanut butter falcon yep that is a weird title to any film really um and if i just told you the title you'd probably kind of be thinking to yourself like this is some kind of falconry thing where someone cheats at a competition by using peanut butter you didn't you that that's, that's a pretty good guess that's not that's not that's not what this film's about at all not even close the Peanut Butter Falcon is a feature film debut of um, Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. They both wrote and directed this film. Um, and it tells a tale of Zach, a young man with Down syndrome who lives in a care home, but constantly attempts to break out and run away to pursue his dream of becoming a pro wrestler like his idol, the Saltwater Redneck. He crosses paths with a world-weary fisherman on the run by the name of Tyler, who agrees to help him on his journey, as he too looks to create distance from those who want to find find him and do him harm. Although his reasons for running could potentially put them both in danger, his ability to only see the man and not the disability makes him the perfect guide for Zack's journey towards his future as a wrestler, and as a 22-year-old that gets treated like an 8-year-old by most of the people who care for him, um, this Huckleberry Finn-esque adventure sees the two bond, as they, experience, as they experience life on the run, and eventually their relationship becomes more mutually beneficial, with Tyler showing himself to be a flawed and damaged human being. 
and whilst Zack can never be blamed for the person he is, all of Tyler's problems are self-made, apparently. And when the pursuing Eleanor joins the party, the dynamic is in danger of self-destruction. In this makeshift family of damaged and disabled individuals, can they come together to make a dream come true, or will their paths finally catch up with them and send them crashing back to reality? In this delightful coming-of-age tale, we are treated to a captivating and heartwarming tale of growth and responsibility. And not just in regards to the well-being of others, but to oneself. Shia LaBeouf is at his career best in, um, well, basically, he's. this is the kind of film that we always kind of expected him to do. Um, he's he's one of those, those actors that's kind of considered to be bad because he's in a lot of bad films. I mean, he's, you know, really famous for being in the Transformers films. Um, but he also did the, um, what was that other one about the tanks? Fury. God, that was a bit shit, wasn't it? I, a lot of people love that film, but genuinely I thought that it was just lacking any real depth. And poor old Shire, he, he throws himself into every character that he plays. And he gives it the utmost dedication and sometimes that just makes him kind of stand out in 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 the wrong way uh because especially in a film like fury most of the actors there were giving just quite balanced but quite you know they didn't they didn't go too deep into their characters they delivered their lines with you know uh the right amount of sincerity um but i just i just didn't really feel like anyone was really dedicated to that film and I thought the plot was a bit weak and just a little bit all over the place. It sounded like it felt like several ideas that were thrown together at once and turned into a film. I didn't really like it too much. Um, and Shia LaBeouf was full method in that, as he is in pretty much everything, which doesn't really translate in a film like Transformers. But in this, in this, it's absolutely perfect. Um, and Shia LaBeouf, I, I'd say he's at his career best uh, in a performance that we all secretly knew that he was capable of. Whilst Zach uh, Gotzigan uh, shines in his debut acting role. Indeed, Gotzigan's first meeting with Nielsen and Schwartz, the filmmakers, uh, was at a camp for actors with disabilities. And it was his desire to pursue his love of acting that inspired the duo to write this story. They basically just changed the um, premise from this young man wanting to be an actor to this young man wanting to be a pro wrestler. Um, but yeah, with a little focus on characters on the characters' past, we're able to get a pretty clear picture of who they are through their action and reactions to different elements uh, in the story. There are moments of subtlety that pack in more of a punch than some of the more on-the-nose films of this kind of genre. Um, and the directing duo allow themselves... Well, they allow the film to flow at a pace that's perfectly suited to the tone of the film, only ever ramping up emotions and tension when necessary, ensuring every punch lands flush. And, it, you know, it really is one of those films that just draws you in. Um, the relationship between the two uh, protagonists is uh, one that's very genuine and very sincere. Um, and as I say, Shia LaBeouf's character, you know, at first you kind of, you perceive him as being the worst possible person for this um, uh, young man's actor to, to fall in with. Uh, like a terrible influence. Um, but it's the... Um, the purity of Zack's character that inspires um, Tyler, by, played by Shia LaBeouf, uh, to really be more honest about 
be more honest to himself about the person he is and how he ended up where he is and the responsibility of the, you know, the consequences of his actions catch up with him time and time again. And it's his inability to kind of see himself as the problem that has been the problem in his life. And um, through the, the bullshit free Zach, he's able to, to look at life a little differently. And when Eleanor comes into the, the situation as well, uh, you know, he can't hide behind um, his smooth talking with Zach because of his um, learning disabilities and, you know, his, his childlike mind. Um, he's able to get away with a lot more. He's able to convince him a lot because he's, he's got the, the charm and charisma to kind of make himself out to be this really amazing, developed and experienced character, this real kind of hero. Um, and that's that's really one of the focuses of the story that, you know, at one point Zach's talking about the fact that um, he's going to be a heel when he becomes a wrestler because he was abandoned by people. That must make him a bad person. And Tyler's character explains to him that other people abandoning him doesn't make him bad. Good people give up on good people. Um, and through that, he's able to see his own potential. Um, he doesn't need to convince other people that he's a hero or that he has hero in him. He owes it to himself to find that part of his personality. And I'm telling you, Shia LaBeouf, he's one of those actors that I really want to champion more because you can just see it. It drives me crazy watching him in bad films because you know that he really is, you know, a decent actor. And in this, he's given the perfect role. Um, he delivers it with a, an amount of subtlety, um, an amount of eroticism that, that really kind of makes the character completely convincing. You don't think of it being Shia LaBeouf. You're totally brought in by who Tyler is and what his problems are and what his past probably was. As I say, like, and one of the reasons why I love this film, you know how much I hate exposition. There's, like, fuck all in this film. Um, people touch on their pasts enough to give you something to think about and reconsider who they are and look at them differently. Um, and it's just, yeah, this is a really, really charming film and a really, really sweet and endearing film to watch. Um, you know, it had me choked up a couple of times. Uh, and not necessarily at the most, like, sort of poignant moments, but just, again, every now and again, there's these little discussions and little kind of moments of bonding where there's a real sincerity and a real emotional honesty to the characters that I think is portrayed very well. Everyone gives a fantastic performance. Um, uh, as I say, Zach playing Zach... Um, is outstanding and, and thoroughly deserving of, of the role. And I'm I'm hoping he gets more. You know, one thing I found out as well that's quite interesting, um, because of this role, um, when him and Shia LaBeouf uh, presented the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, or was it Best Animated Short? When they presented that Oscar, he became the first man with Down syndrome to present anything at the Oscars. Um, and that's outstanding. Um Again, there's there's a certain old-fashioned way of looking at, at people with disabilities that is very unfortunate and it hinders a lot of the potential, you know, um, 
pursuits of such people. Um, so yeah, I think this is a fantastic film. It, it doesn't just kind of, you know, use that kind of story of of prejudice towards people with Down syndrome or or uh, like sort of learning difficulties. It doesn't play on that too much, um, but it does use it very effectively as an inspiration for for certain characters. Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, as I say, if you want a sweet, heartwarming film, this is the one for you. It's absolutely fantastic. In fact, this is what we've got this week, people. We've got Peanut Butter Falcon, which is a beautiful, heartwarming, endearing film. Um, we've got Upgrade, which is an action-packed, uh, you know, futuristic thriller with lots of twists and turns um, that's quite cerebral. Um, but then we've got The American, which is... Um, you know, a slow-paced but enthralling thriller about spies and assassins and, you know, twists and turns. We've got a little bit of everything this week, and it's all on Netflix. So if you've got Netflix, you're winning. You're happy. You're laughing. You're smiling. If you don't have Netflix, this has probably been a really fucking annoying podcast for you. And I apologise. I apologise. I can't please all the people all the time, and it seems like all of those people listen to my podcast. What can I do? Sorry, that was a, um, an absolute bastardization of a really good Mitch Hedberg joke there. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the podcast this week. As I say, um, sorry I've been a bit quiet this week on the social media, uh, and sorry I didn't get this special out when I expected to. Um, life has a funny way of getting in the way. Um, as I say, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. Well, I don't even have time to make plans these days. Um, yeah, there's been times when I've got to the end of my day and I've sat down. And do you ever just sit down at the end of the day and you, until you've sat down, you don't realise how much your back hurts, or how tired you are, or just like sort of how emotionally fragile you are? It, it might not have been the best week to watch Peanut Butter Falcon because, um, yeah little bit emotional. Anyway, um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with me, people. Um, I really love the fact that this is now becoming a, an international podcast. Um, not as far as the host is concerned, because I'm I'm just here in England all the time. East Northamptonshire, if you want to be specific. Um, but I keep seeing, you know, I've got a map which shows me where people are listening from. Um, great following in New York. My God, I'm going to have to come out and see you people at some point. Um, but also in Virginia, uh, in uh, Michigan, in California, in Oklahoma, uh, in Florida. Um, but also in India, uh, Thailand, um, in Sweden, in Slovakia. Um, so many places around the world. Mostly in Great Britain. But there you go. It's a British podcast with a British guy. What can I tell you? Hopefully next week we'll be a lot more in touch with each other. I'll be able to deliver more of what I've actually promised you. And um, yeah, apparently rainstorm's due next week, so I'll have a nice mild weekend. It's probably not going to happen though, is it? We'll see. But until then, I wish you peace, love, empathy. Enjoy your weekend, enjoy your week, and enjoy your movies. I've been Arthur Wilde. And I'll smell you later.